Welcome to Radio Mojo Plus on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Brought to you by Pyology Pizzeria. Good morning and welcome to Radio Mojo Plus. I'm Joe McGarry, plus Bobby Curran. We're here to bring you the best of eating, drinking, and living in Hawaii with lots of sports dashed in this morning and we can certainly do that easily today we could do another whole hour of just talking about oh. exciting things in the sports world this morning how are you i'm good and uh, we had they had some craziness in the nba i heard about that yep. how often has something like that happened before i mean well, such a dramatic change in the atlanta philadelphia game you almost never see this I'll give you an example. At, with three minutes and 24 seconds remaining in the third quarter, in the 12-minute quarters, yeah. the Philadelphia 76 was led by 24 points. The win right. probability then, in the, statistically, the win probability at that point was 99.7%. No way. Yes. That's crazy. For them to have lost that, people say, wow, great for Atlanta. Yeah, I'll give Atlanta this. They never quit. But it took an implosion, just a complete and utter collapse, almost the likes of which I've never before seen for Philadelphia to lose that game. And it may have cost them. It may be the whole thing. Now Atlanta goes is up 3-2. It's best of seven. They need one more win, and they're going back to Atlanta to play. I mean, it's really, that was catastrophic. Unbelievable. So, so many things have to happen in a row to take your odds from 99.7. Make it happen for the other guys. Right. It's crazy. It's like perfect storming, right? Absolutely. And the other other thing is Kawhi Leonard, one of the two stars for the Clippers, was out. That game was in Utah where they they hadn't won. They'd lost two games in a row in the playoffs. Yeah. And. But Paul George, the other star, came up huge, 37.16, and they won. So both road teams won, go home to play now. The lower seeds go home to play and force the other guys into elimination games. It's nuts. It's, it's really it's unprecedented that it would happen to two teams on the same day. That's, there must have been something like the stars were yeah. not aligning or something for that to happen. Now, that must have also had like a catastrophic effect on people who live by odds and probability and, you know. And wagers. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So that must have been like a really unusual day in so many, on so many different Yesterday levels. Yesterday was one of those days that made me, again, very glad that I don't That you've bet. never bet. I don't bet. I don't <laughs> bet on the stuff, as you know. I don't right. bet. I mean, there was a time in my misspent youth I did mm-hmm. uh, several times, got into trouble one winter, you know, when a slow restaurant season, and so we were trying to make a living betting college basketball, which worked until it didn't work. Right. Well, it's always a good lesson, I suppose. But really, it must have just been, I mean, you must have been, everyone watching carefully, as I know you were, you must have just been thinking, what the heck is going on? This is like double take at the screen, Especially right? Especially. If you'd gone out, like, to the shops or something and come back, you wouldn't have oh, believed the I, there's, score. There's so many stories today. Oh, yeah. Even for other NBA players that went out to dinner or one guy admitted he's turned on a movie. You know, it was because it looked like it was over. When it's 99.7% win probability, it's over, essentially. Well, and also, it's also, I mean, I've I've seen you, you know, on occasions say, okay, this one's in the bag, or, oh, this one looks like it's done. But none, you didn't do that yesterday, which is really, you know, 
Well, first of all, Amazing. I was do, I was busy kind of working. Right. So, so I was, was hand, on. I was on. I had half an eye on it. But as it got a little closer, by the time there was six or seven minutes in the game left, and it was already ten or eight, mm-hmm. I already, I thought, oh, this is this could be trouble. And sure enough, it, it got to be trouble. It was trouble. Well, you can't say it's not exciting, and it hasn't been. You know, there's been a lot of excitement in sports. Um, it just seems to grow every week. And then, of course, the the golf is always really fun for a lot especially, of people. Yeah, especially the U.S. Open. I, I think this is one of the tournaments. Yeah. It's the tournament of all the world's tournaments. It's the one where they almost trick out the course a little bit. Mm-hmm. And players over the years, and have some complained, of them all. Yeah. I mean, I Sergio Garcia, it was, he was like a cottage industry. Oh, he complains everywhere, though. But he really he complained, complained at Glen Eagles spectacularly one year when it was just the usual grass and wind. I mean, he was really battling the elements and complaining about them as if someone had put them there. For him. Just to get him to have but a bad round. But the U.S. Open is, is sometimes where... This is one of the guys, and I thought this was a good criticism. One of the players, I can't remember who it was, said, he goes, I never mind when a course is tough and when it punishes bad shots. He goes, but this course, this this setup of a U.S. Open actually punishes occasionally good shots. Oh, and that should that's not, happen. not good. Yeah. That should, and he's right. That shouldn't happen. That's now, who done. does that? Who's the USGA is responsible. They do it. And then they, well, they give instructions to, they bring in grounds, just like the Masters, uh-huh. brings in all these guest groundskeepers to help get the course ready for a U.S. Open. So that's what they do. And so they, they'll say, make it a little trickier here. We, we want the rough this high. Let's increase the bunker on this one. Well, they don't increase bunkers. Or whatever. But yes, but it's that sort of mindset. Mm-hmm. It's especially with rough, mm-hmm. where they don't graduate. A lot of times there's no graduated rough. It goes from fairway where it's beautiful to you can't find your ball. It's so hard. Just like, you, you, you just like a Lynx course in you Scotland. You can't see your shoes. <laughs> I mean, it gets nuts at the rough. Do you, think, do you sometimes think American players are like a little bit spoiled because they just practice at places like, you know, Pebble Beach and, you know, you know on Maui? It and, used to be, I think, more that way, but there's enough Lynx-style courses now in the U.S. But you can go up to Turtle Bay and play oh, the Otto Bomber But that's the course. only one, though. Well, no, that's the only one in Hawaii that uh-huh. you would say fits that's what that I mean. bill. But it's the that's, only one here. But that's real. That's a real yeah. link style course. So I love it. Up there. There's more of them around the U.S. now than there ever were. Oh, okay. There are places that's tough. So I don't think that. And I don't find that pro golfers these days are most of them aren't big complainers. No, no, they're not. You don't hear them complaining a lot no. at all, actually. But I just, I always wondered about that because it always looks, you know, between, you know, I mean, just let's not go into it. So <laughs> Because right, you're uh, anti, <laughs> yeah, you're anti-U.S. stuff. To no, no, no. It would sound like that, but I'm not. I'm just saying that. Um, and but they're all excellent golfers. Absolutely excellent. Um, and what else? What other sports do we have to talk about this weekend coming up? Well, you're you're obviously have spent well, the last it, three hours it, talking about it's them. NBA and golf right now. That's really it. It, that's excitement Jacob, for anyone, I would think. Jacob DeGrom of the New York Mets, best pitcher in baseball by a wide margin, mm-hmm. had to come out, got pulled with sh- a short shoulder yesterday after three perfect innings, couldn't keep going, and that's a c- big concern for Mets fans and, in, and of interest to Major League Baseball people generally. That's about it. 
Well, that's good enough to be going on with. Um, we have some good food stuff this morning as well, of course, as you would you would expect, nothing less. We've got food and beer today. Well, it's Father's Day, of course, coming up this weekend, so a good day to talk about beers and wines. And um, usually we would be talking about, you know, steak dinners and, you know, grilling and all that kind of stuff, but we thought we'd throw a loop today. And we're going to be talking to David Gorman, who's the new owner of a restaurant called Vegan City in uh, Kaimuki. And you may smirk, but this restaurant has been getting glowing reviews because he's doing, he's a local boy and he's doing local food and all his local favorites just without the meat. And it's almost indistinguishable from like a locomoco and then a locomoco vegan style, you could hardly know the difference. So what, what's being used there is like, is it sort of like what some of the fast plant food places where you're going with tofu products? And plant-based uh, products, yes. So there's a lot, there's a, a huge range of plant-based alternatives nowadays. A lot of, st- like for example, jackfruit, which grows in Hawaii. Jackfruit can be a very, very good replacement for Kahlua pork, for example, which you wouldn't guess, but it is. It really mimics it brilliantly. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk to him about all of the supplements. And I can tell you just thinking, well, I wouldn't be happy if somebody took me there, but you would be because it really is, you know, a different kind and of thing. I'm, I'm in danger of being brought there, so <laughs> compared <laughs> yeah, to a lot of people. He's, he's doing really <laughs> well, and I'm looking forward to talking to him because I know he's been trying to uh, get his restaurant open for quite some time. So that's going to be really fun. And then we're going to talk to Tim Golden this morning about, uh, uh, of course, beer. Yes, what else? He is the beer expert um, over at Village Bottle Shop and Tasting Room. And um, I'm sure there's a lot of dads who would appreciate some great new tasting beers for Father's Day. But we're going to talk about summer beers too because it is summer and uh, there's a lot of just beautiful beers come out in the summer, so we're going to talk about them as well. And we'll squeeze in some wines as well for Father's Day. So we will do all of that coming up along with golf updates too. And, you know, one thing I wanted to mention is that, as we know, because we have a lot of, of good friends in the restaurant industry, and as people know, because you're out there eating in restaurants, restaurants are so busy right now. They are overwhelmed almost because of a couple of things. They don't have enough staff yet. People are not quite ready to come back to work. And they also are um, kind of at capacity because they still aren't allowed to open fully. But, you know, I was looking at the big picture of what's happening because, as you know, I, I, I'm at Chef Zone every Wednesday morning and all you know the chefs that come in chat. And yesterday morning, one after another after another, Bobby, chefs came up to me saying, we're like, we're, we're just doing 100% more than we were a year and a half ago. We're, our business is just crazy. And I started thinking, what is the reason for that? Because you know how I love going into demographics and getting nerdy about stuff. And you know what it is? It's really interesting. There's a different kind of tourist coming into Hawaii right now. So we're ha- we have a lot of tourists coming in, but it's a different tourist. It's a cheaper tourist. It's a budget tourist. It's not the Japanese tourist. It's not the Asia tourist. It's not the tourist that loves to be in Waikiki and spend tons of money at all the best restaurants. Firstly, 
a lot of the best restaurants Especially are still hotel. closed. Well, hotels, restaurants yes, are closed. Exactly. So they don't have those options. So what are they doing? They're doing two things. They're leaving Waikiki and searching on Yelp for best neighborhood restaurant, best Irish restaurant, best Mexican restaurant. And so they're moving out from Waikiki to neighborhood restaurants. Like Murphy's, for example, is having more tourists coming in than possibly ever before. And they've had a lot of tourists because they've been on television a lot. So so the neighborhoods are seeing tourists. And then the second thing that's happening, I think, because it explains why in neighborhoods you're seeing, if, if you notice, you're seeing a lot of tourists in your local Safeway or Foodland, and it's because it's that budget tourist. They leave Waikiki for the day. They come out. They go to a grocery store. They get food for the day. They go to the beach with it. They're spending as little as they can by coming out into the neighborhoods. And that's why the restaurants, the local neighborhood restaurants, are their business has soared. I think that's that's my theory. But anyway. here, now, tell me, am I wrong that was quite a good theory. I, I really actually <laughs> thought, that, no, that was quite well described. But maybe when we come back, mm-hmm. you can tell us a little bit about some of the other things that are going into this. I have a couple specific questions. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. We're going to go for a PGA break. A quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Radio Mojo Plus. You're listening to Radio Mojo Plus on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Hey, welcome back to Radio Mojo Plus. I'm Joe McGarry plus Bobby Curran. We're here to bring you the best of eating, drinking, and living in Hawaii with lots of sports thrown in between. Um, we were just talking a little bit about how busy restaurants are getting. And which led me to this question, mm-hmm. because I've heard you say a number of owners are, are sort of complaining, or at least mentioning it's hard for them to go to 100% even if it's allowed because of staffing issues. I'm thinking with everyone getting suddenly so busy, Local places, etc. How? What is going on? Where is there's got to see a inherent conflict with maybe more business than staffing permits? Right. So it's really complicated. So there's two things that are going on. One is that owners are absolutely overwhelmed and exhausted. Right. I've been talking to restaurant owners uh, this past week who are literally just running nonstop. So one very well-known restaurant owner said to me yesterday. I have no life anymore. My life has gone. I just am in that kitchen. And they're shopping and they're running and they're, you know, doing all of that. So that's desperate. People are going to get burned out way faster than they thought they would. And the second thing is, yes, I mean, everybody wants everyone to have lots of money. But until people have an incentive to go back to work, which hopefully is coming, at the end of June, you know, beginning of July, hopefully there will be a little bit more of incentive for people to get back uh, into the workplace. Until that happens, you know, it is, it's going to be very difficult and the challenges just have to be met. You know, as we say all the time, people who own restaurants are really resilient. They always remind me of people who go into battle every single day. And right now they're really on the front lines. I mean, I saw restaurant owners coming out of Chef's Own yesterday with their trolleys piled high and these are the people that own the restaurants you know they were rushing into chef's zone filling up rushing back to the restaurant um and 
there's just there's so many knockoff things from it. It's just very very interesting. I could talk about it for a really long time. Even about the employment of young people this summer, there's a really interesting thing happening there as well. But we will not go on because yeah. we have a guest waiting. But anyway, um, so we I mentioned earlier that I'm so glad that we're going to have this next guest on. David Gorman is the owner of the new restaurant Vegan City, and I'm really happy he's coming on because I know he works very hard to find his perfect restaurant location and he's found it. David, good morning. How are you? Hi, David. Good morning, Joe. How are you? We're doing good. I'm so happy to talk to you and I really want to wish you great congratulations on opening up uh, Vegan City on uh, YLA. How are things going? They're, uh, you know, to be honest, going uh, even better than I could have expected in my sort of wildest dreams. Um, We've had, you know, great reception from folks. Um, you know, the most important thing to me is they're, they're liking the food and coming back for more. And, you know, it just, it's very gratifying uh, to know that, especially as, you know, a home cook that has no prior professional cooking experience that, uh, you know, your food kind of makes the cut and people are enjoying it. Now, t- tell us, talk a little bit about your pre- life how did you used to eat before you met your wife and how do you eat now because i think this is a really good story for a lot of people to hear yes i think you know i ate like most people um i was not the healthiest eater i was not the worst eater either but i definitely enjoyed a steak and a hamburger and a hamburger steak and uh when i met my wife she uh kind of opened my eyes to um, the health benefits of, you know, removing animal protein from your diet. And, you know, my former life being, my most immediate former life being in solar, um, you know, it really opened my eyes to the environmental benefits of having a plant-based diet as well. And uh, the story goes that, you know, we kind of got together and um, she was uh, encouraging me to, uh, not eat so much meat, and I slowly started kind of removing animal protein from my diet and, you know, loving to cook um, my whole life, started learning how to make the things I like to eat without the animal protein. And somewhere along the way, I just realized that it, it wasn't really the meat that I, you know, loved. It was the seasoning and the flavoring of the dishes. And, you know, by replicating that without the animal protein, I really wasn't missing anything. And then, and then I just started feeling so much better. And, you know, I'm in my 40s now. And, you know, I lost a bunch of weight and I had more energy. And, you know, I kind of joke that, um, you know, I'm, I run faster and jump higher than I, than I was just a few years ago. And so I started sticking with it. And the remorse I had or the longing for, you know, the things I used to eat started to fade away. And then it kind of hit me that, you know, I'm not the only one that would, you know, go through this and, you know, trying to adopt a plant-based diet um, is really inconvenient, especially if you don't like to cook because there's so few places and so few options. And so, you know, for the past several years, it was kind of in the back of my mind, this is something that I'll want to do at some point. And um, kind of the aha moment was, you know, really right in the midst of COVID, um, Beyond Meat kind of launched nationally in Costco. And um, I started seeing, you know, 
a lot of quote unquote normal people or, you know, not <laughs> fully vegan people walking out of Costco with Beyond Burgers. And it just seemed that, you know, the plant based thing was starting to go mainstream. And that's when I decided to have my uh, my midlife COVID crisis and uh, leave Revolution and start Vegan City. You know, it's so funny that you say you saw, you know, quote unquote, normal people walking out with Beyond Burgers because, you know, unfortunately, veganism does have this kind of, you know, tag that goes along with it where people just have this terrible kind of presumption of what kind of a person eats a vegan diet. I think nowadays it's ridiculous because so many people are eating plant-based foods mixed in with, you know, a much less meat-based diet. But do you find that some of the people who are coming to Vegan City are expecting it to be you know, kind of Birkenstocky and very like sparse. Yes, very sparse, and and are surprised at what they find on your menu, Dave. We do, yes. So you know, what is really surprising is I would say something like seventy percent of the people that come into Vegan City are are not vegan. Um, they're kind of vegan curious. Um, you know, I think COVID put health kind of back at the top you know, or near to the top of a lot of people's priority lists. Um, they're, they're also, you know, with all the documentaries and everything, I think more cognizant of the environmental benefits of a plant-based diet. And our concept is trying to create a bridge so that you're not going from, um, you know, ribeyes and plate lunch to a sprout salad, but it's, you know, we're preparing familiar dishes that are hearty and, you know, tasteful, um, you know, in a, you know, slightly more nutritious way and, you know, definitely without any of the, the animal uh, protein products. And, you know, with Beyond Meat and Impossible and uh, Just Egg, you know, it's, it's a lot easier than it used to be to kind of replicate the things we're used to and the familiar dishes that we love, um, you know, in a plant-based way. We're talking with David Gorman. He's the owner of the new restaurant, Vegan City. You can find more about the restaurant and their menu at vegancityhawaii.com. It's plant-based comfort food. And let's focus on that comfort food part for a bit because to me that's really important because I think the fear a lot of people have is in giving up meat or or eating much less meat, is they'll miss those things like their locomoco and their, you know, chili and their, their kind of favorite local foods. What you've done with your menu is you've incorporated these, as you said, and people are responding really well, right? So I'm sure it must be kind of fun for you to make your sort of former favorite local dishes, but just take out the meat. Tell us about some of your most popular ones and the ones that you enjoy people trying first. Yeah, I think you, you know, you really hit the nail on the head and it's whether, um, you know, I don't want to go vegan because I'm going to miss these things or I've been vegan for a really long time and I haven't had these things I used to love, you know, as a child, you know, everybody has like a really strong emotional connection to food and they trigger, you know, memories and experiences. And, you know, that's really, you know, what I think a lot of, you know, food is about is those emotional connections. And so, you know, we have a local moco that's been really popular. Um, we use the Beyond Burger patty. And then you can either get it with avocado 
um, which kind of replaces the fattiness of the egg on the top, um, or the just egg, egg substitute, or both. Um, we offer that option as well. Um, and then, you know, we make a good mushroom gravy that goes on top of it. And it's, it's been really, really popular. And uh, we make, you know, really good macaroni salad that goes with it. And all of our dishes come with a choice of two sides. And that's, you know, I, I always kind of wished I could get a side salad and fries with my burger and not have to pick between the two. So now that I have my own restaurant, you don't have to pick. And you can get a Caesar salad and tater tots. And have the best of both worlds. Um, we make a really good fried rice uh, that's been popular, and we top that with avocado. Uh, we make a, a tuna melt with jackfruit, and um, that's been you know really one of the more surprising ones because I think people are just blown away that it really tastes like a regular tuna melt, and they can't believe it's made with jackfruit. Um, we use jackfruit to make uh, a carnitas that we put in our uh, tacos as well and those have been really popular and then you know just kind of uh, we make a grilled cheese and tomato bisque um, we make a poutine which some local people aren't familiar with but in Canada it's, it's really popular where you take french fries and put some great gravy on it and uh, usually it's got curds uh, cheese curds but uh, we use the uh, a mozzarella a shredded mozzarella um you know, vegan mozzarella cheese, and that's been really popular. We make a garlic truffle fries. So, you know, I think a lot of the things that, um, you know, you like on a, on a late Friday night or a Friday, uh, you know, lunch out, um, those are the type of things you try to put on the menu so that, you know, again, it's, you know, familiar favorites uh, that we're just making in a healthier way. It's um, a really, it's really fun to see veganism really creeping into the mainstream. And I just know there are so many people who want to incorporate plant-based food into their diet, but they're just not able to. You mentioned earlier, and, and I think this is so true, the biggest barrier to people uh, eating plant-based food is the cooking of it, is the preparation of it. Either they don't know where to start or they're just not familiar with the ingredients. And it's been such a barrier that I think what your restaurant is going to do is introduce people to the possibilities that hopefully they can then go home and start to mimic um, in their own kitchens, which, uh, you know, is going to be good for families, for children, for sure, and obviously for the planet as well. Um, Dave, it's no easy thing starting up your own restaurant, and it's especially no easy thing right now because there's, you know, way more people eating out than there were pre-COVID, and we're still a little bit restricted. But this for you is just going to be normal. Like, you don't know what it was like to have a restaurant before. So how how is it going? It has been everything everyone said it was going to be, and then some, you know, with the 100-hour weeks and uh, the, the staffing challenges. And I think that, you know, I'm sure you're talking to lots, lots of other restaurant owners, and, I, you know, I've been reading all the, the national articles, and, you know, I think that's one of the unfortunate downsides of the extended unemployment benefits is there is a labor shortage in our industry, and that's been one of the, the bigger challenges that we've had. Um, Luckily, school got out, and we do have, you know, a lot of summer job, you know, high school um, 
workers that have joined the team and we've been able to build the team out, you know, in the last few weeks. Um, but you know, the first month it, it was tough to, to have the staff, um, to get it done. And I would say that was probably the biggest challenge, um, opening up was just having the team members to make it happen. Yeah, it's all, all good stuff, though. It's all going to settle down at some point, hopefully pretty soon, and everyone will be back to work and thriving. Uh, Dave, it was so nice of you to take the time out of your really busy day to uh, stop by and chat with us. I'm going to remind people that they can find you online at vegancityhawaii.com or in person at 760 Kapahulu Avenue. Easy to find on uh, Kapahulu. And, of course, parking is right behind and a little bit out front on street as well so thank you so much for joining us good luck we will definitely be seeing you soon it was a pleasure speaking with you and thank you so much for thinking of us have a wonderful day take care that's david gorman the owner of vegan city in on kapahulu avenue what do you think sounds good I, i actually after that conversation would try the place yeah, and, and probably really enjoy it. So I will. Did, by the way, because I can see today. you looking on menus. Do, do they have some version of a chili? Um, I'm sure they do. They have a lot of soups and sandwiches and uh, some really nice entrees, as he was talking about. And I will find if they have a chili when we go to a break and tell you. But see what I was saying about jackfruit being such a versatile yes, thing. Amazing. And he's saying it's so like make carnitas out of it. It's carnitas easy, kalua pork easy. That's the first so by time the way, I've heard of let tuna. Let me just ask a stupid question. Yeah. So vegan means you wouldn't actually use tuna? Mm, no tuna, meat. Tuna, oh, is yeah. tuna meat? Vegan really just think plant-based. Okay, so, so no vegan fish is okay. nothing with a face. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> That's an easy way to have it. Nothing with That's the face. easy. So you don't have to be confused. Just go, I don't eat anything with the face, and you're all set. Now, I, I have said this before, but I really believe this. Even if you can incorporate, like, you know, one or two meals a week that are meat-free into your family's diet, um, you will see a difference. And especially for kids, you know, our kids are getting bigger and they are eating more sugar and they are you eating mean more fat. I do mean that. Yes, I was trying not to be so, you know, sizes. Crash. But yeah, but they are. And I think, um, you know, these small things, you know, we had Pony Askew join us um, a while ago to talk about plant-based eating. And, you know, Pony to me is just a shining example of somebody who lives what she preaches. She practices what she preaches. Uh, she became, Pony was the person who's with her husband, Brandon, who started up Street Grinds, um, the incredible mobile food truck revolution that started here in Hawaii about, I don't know now, about eight or nine, ten years ago. Um, and Pony switched at her son's request to a trial period of plant-based eating and over the period of a year lost a tremendous amount of weight. Um, all diet-related. All diet-related. And her. obviously, you know, That's walking terrific. in between. But, but I think one of the things that she focuses on is just get a family to be able to do one meal a week or two meals a week or substitute out your burger for a Beyond Burger or for something healthy. And you're on your way. So there you go. Now you have the chance to go and try really good vegan food 
vegancityhawaii.com. And the reason I was really happy to have David on is we've had, there have been lots of people who have tried to open vegan restaurants before, and they just haven't hit that mark of being like local food or recognizable food. And he's done it, and we wish him very good luck. We're going to go and take a really short break. Come back with us because we're going to be talking to Tim Golden about lots of summer beers and special things for Father's Day. You're listening to Radio Mojo Plus. This is Radio Mojo Plus on ESPN Honolulu. Welcome back to Radio Mojo Plus. I'm Joe McGarry plus Bobby Curran. We're here to bring you the best of eating, drinking, and living in Hawaii. We do this every Thursday morning. And if you miss any of these interviews, you can hear them wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can go to RadioMojoHawaii.com or MojoMcGarry.com, and you will find them all there. And I'm actually quite up to date right now, so they're all where they should be. Some really nice interviews, including an interview uh, with uh, Kyle uh, Reutner of uh, Kohana Rum that we just popped up and uh, some really nice conversations with Sheldon Simeon about uh, how he put together his new cookbook and what local food means to him. We always have good conversations with our next guest. Tim Golden is joining us. He is the co-owner of Village Bottle Shop and Tasting Room down in the Salt Project in Kaka'ako and he's joining us right now. Hiya Tim, how are you? Hi Tim. Hi. Hey, hey guys! I'm fantastic. How are you guys? We're good. It's good to he- good to hear your voice this morning. Um, there's two things that are kind of going on beer related. I think the first one is Father's Day. Um, uh, for some reason, I think that that is a big um, beer day for a lot of dads. Um, and then the other thing is we're right in the middle of a beautiful summer drinking weather. So. First question is, is Father's Day a big holiday for you guys? Do you find a lot of people coming in wanting to find special beers for, for dads? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, it And believe it or not, uh, so is Mother's Day. Um, both, kind of both days, um, <laughs> people coming in wanting to get um, mom and or dad kind of an arrangement or assortment of things. And it's almost like going into a flower shop and, and asking for an arrangement of of beautiful flowers and they kind of ask us to, to find some really cool beers. And, you know, we always ask them, you know, well, what does your dad drink? And, um, what are the kind of things that he, he normally likes? And then, you know, we try to find, um, you know, a number of different beers just to surprise them and, and have in the refrigerator so they can, you know, try a, a couple new ones every couple of days and, um, kind of like a surprise pack. And it's, um, it's really fun to do and, and to, to try and find, you know, new and exciting flavors for um, people to try. Do you find that you have to give people a wee bit of education when you're giving them new beers to give as gifts? Because there's certain beers, for example, that on first sip, like if you're if you're used to drinking a domestic light beer and someone gives you a framboise, you're going to think, yeah. what the heck is this? This isn't a beer. <laughs> Do you have to kind of pre-warn people sometimes and say, he'll really like this or she'll really like this, but it's going to taste like this? Yeah, and I think that's important because you're, you're right. The beer has such a wide spectrum of flavors, um, and you know things can go from tasting like, like a Pilsner, which is light, crisp, and, and beer-flavored beer, to, to things that um, taste like a chocolate cake, right? And, and sometimes the surprises are good. So if you give someone 
you know, like a pastry stout that has a lot of, you know, different flavor additives to it. It's a, it's a good surprise because they're all um, tastes and flavors that people are familiar with. But like you suggested, if you give them a framboise, which is a, a raspberry uh, lambic that is slightly acidic and tart, um, it, it can be a bit of a shock. And the same thing goes with IPAs. Um, I think that's what uh, turned a lot of people off a long time ago to IPAs was because they would try them and they'd be very aggressively bitter. And it was so different from what you were used to tasting that you never, some, some people never went back. Um, and so giving people a little bit of heads up, you know, Hey, this one's going to actually, it's an IPA, but it actually is very muted and soft and it has a lot of tropical fruit flavors. It might ease that person into having a, a, a little bit more open mind when trying it. Do you find that, people are getting more familiar with the language of beer. And by that, what I mean is, for a long time, people have known how wine is described. So if you say something is vegetal or grassy or herbaceous or whatever, people are kind of getting Mm -hmm. much more used to that with wine tasting. With beer, the flavor profile is different. And you talk about, you know, esters and zests and all kinds of different flavors. And I know that the language really helps people when they're, when they're expecting to taste a wine. How, how, are, how well educated are your customers nowadays on the language of beer? Oh, it, it, it's grown tremendously. And even to the fact where a lot of people will come in and, you know, they say they'll be shopping for their dad or they'll be shopping for their, their husband or, or boyfriend or whatnot. And they go, you know, I don't, I don't really know not a lot about a beer, but, you know, he loves hazy IPAs. And, mm-hmm. and he loves, you know, things that kind of have more tropical fruit flavors. Or, and, and even that, you know, that's the, the terminology of a, of a hazy IPA, which, you know, pretty much didn't even exist seven years ago. Um, it, it's common language for a lot of people now who don't even necessarily drink that type of beer, but they know of it because it's, it's so popular and so, um, and so drink and so much consumed around, around town. So, um, and I think with beer, I think that the big important thing is, you know, the description language to be a little more, um, approachable. Sometimes wine, um, flavor descriptors can get really out there and it's hard unless you have a really particular palate to wrap your head around, some of these terms, whereas I think with beer, it's trying to keep it a little more, not to, not to dumb it down or any way, but just to keep it more simple and approachable. And, and, and it's flavors, you know, flavors that are um, re- relatable to you. Um, so it's something that you've already tasted before in your life and saying, well, it's kind of like that. Got it. Yeah, that's the best thing to do. It kind of tastes like that. That's always the way. You know, it, in just... Yeah. Um, in just a few seconds, we're going to go for the uh, the PGA break, and then we're going to have you stay with us. Um, but before we do, I wanted to say my favorite language, you know, is the language of single malts. Because when you're talking about whiskey, you can reference things like, you know, heather and damp grass and wet gloves yeah. and all kinds of bizarre things. It's really fun. Tim Golden is going to stay with us. We're going to talk about more beer when we come back from this break. Tim, of course, is the owner of Village Bottle Shop and Tasting Room in Kaka'ako. We'll be right back with more Radio Mojo Plus right after this break. You're listening to Radio Mojo Plus on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. 
Hey, welcome back to Radio Mojo Plus. I'm Joe McGarry plus Bobby Curran. We do this every Thursday morning. And this morning, Tim Golden is joining us from Village Bottle Shop and Tasting Room in Kaka'ako. Tim, thanks for holding uh, through that uh, break. You know, it's, it's, everyone always says, oh, it's always summer in Hawaii. And we know that's not true because we're very attuned <laughs> to our seasonal changes here. In the world of beer, the seasons are really delightful because each season brings different styles of beer. And so we're headed into summer um, with some lovely lighter beers and summer sips. What are what are some of the ones you're most excited about right now that you have in? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm really sort of excited about the loggers coming back, and I I, I know I say this a lot, but um, you know, if you can find a really well-made logger, whatever the the style within the logger category, um, you're pretty lucky and. And we're actually pretty pretty lucky here that you know a local brewery Hanakoa has been um, pumping out some you know fantastic ones um, on, on a monthly basis. And uh, the one that they recently came out with that I, I highly encourage everybody to go try it. It's called um, Party Boy. It's a Tokyo style. They call it a Tokyo style pilsner, um, and it's made with uh, rice from the rice factory. Um, and, and and it's fantastic. It's it's light. It's drinkable but it's got a ton of flavor and it's only in the four percentage range. So that's the big thing about, uh, I would say wow. summer beers or beers when it's hot. Um, you know, the lower alcohol, if you can find a, a, a beer that has under 5%, but is full of flavor and, and enjoyable and, and not watery. Um, you know, that's a win all around just because it it's, you're not going to get, you know, too intoxicated by having a few, um, yet the enjoyment level is really high. And, and that beer checks all the marks. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really delicious, and it's something I, I, I'm really stoked about it and seeing that coming back. Because, you know, we live in a really hot place, and it's nice to have some light, refreshing beers. No kidding. That one sounds amazing with a rice base. You can just imagine how light it is. I think Bobby has a question for you, don't you? I, I do, uh, Tim. This is sure. Bobby. So uh, I wanted to get to this because I am – when I was first, maybe 15 years ago, first trying wheat beers, and mm-hmm. I just really was put off. I did not like the wheat beers, and I've never really gone back. I, I usually, if someone, I'll say, is that a wheat beer? Nope, I'll move on to get something else. <laughs> and I'm wondering. And I am horrified. But right, but, <laughs> but perhaps, and then I, Joe's <laughs> opening my eyes to, maybe that has changed in the last 15 years, and they have there's more options than what the stuff I used to get. It, it, it's so wheat beers, um, traditionally made wheat beers or Hefeweizens, um, they're polarizing. It, it's like cilantro. Um, some people love them. Some people hate it. And it's a flavor, um, that's produced by the yeast that puts off, um, a lot of banana and a lot of clove spice. Um, and, and these are flavors that when the yeast is fermenting, it's an off. It's a. It's an. It's an output of those of that yeast, and it's something that's desirable to many. So I'm one who absolutely loves wheat beers, um, and and particularly you know really well made German wheat beers because they're really refreshing. They got they're full of flavor, yet they're still light um, and and enjoyable. Um, it just depends. I mean, I, I think if if your palate doesn't come around to it, it may never come around to it. It's again, it's like a cilantro. Some people, you know can eat tons of it, and some people can't even stand the smell of it. Um, I, well, I love cilantro, it, it, so it, halfway it, home. 
um, one of them that's really great, um, and, and you might want to try, uh, it's from Schneider, um, which is a, a Bavarian-based wheat beer brewery, and they only make wheat beers, but they, they came out with um, a, a Hellweiss, which is it's a lighter version, so it's, it's not as dark, it's not as heavy, um, and it's, it's a little bit lower ABV. The, those flavor compounds are a lot lighter. It's still there, but in, in a lighter proportion. Um, crystal vitamins are, are something that um, kind of go in that realm, too. Um, Honolulu Beer Works did a crystal vitamin a couple months ago that was superb. Um, really refreshing, really drinkable. Um, but again, those banana clove notes um, are there. <laughs> See, I think Bobby is going to love the one from Schneider because I think his experience of Hefeweizen was a very, if I remember correctly, a very traditional, typically banana estuary uh, mm-hmm. Hefeweizen. And I think he just was, it's like what we were saying before, he wasn't used to what was coming and he was like, that doesn't taste like a beer. So I'm so glad that right. you've given him an alternative. And I bet Bobby's not the only one. I bet there's a lot of people who have had an experience and just think, oh, I don't really like that. So thank you for that. I'm going to be coming in and buying yeah. some of the Schneider Hellweiss <laughs> just to prove you right. It will be lovely. Okay, so so more summer sipping. The, the, the rice uh, beer sounded amazingly light and delicious. What else are you excited about? Um. Lighter, softer IPAs for the for the summer because you know at the end of the day you know IPA is still king and it's still the most sought after style. So um, you know it's it's looking for those lighter and softer IPA styles that um, aren't necessarily um, really heavy in the bitterness and they um, still you know your ABV your alcohol content is still going to be between six and seven percent so you're going to get that a little heavier alcohol but the flavor profiles. Um, Modern Times out of San Diego just came out with one called Dungeon Maps. It's more of a West Coast style, but the bitterness is uh, a bit pulled back. So um, at, even at 7%, it's really, really drinkable. Um, and, and locally, you know, breweries like Beer Lab are putting out um, their Omakase series, which is it's, it's a hazy IPA, um, but it's, it's a lot lighter. It's not as thick and chewy as some of the other hazies. Um, so you still get a good amount of hop quality. But then you're not fully getting, you know, this big bitter charge and, and sort of like a, a chewy mouthfeel. So on the hotter days and, and um, they're easier to drink, just because you don't get as fatigue. And I call it I call it palate fatigue um, because mm-hmm. sometimes the beers that have too much flavor and too much hops and too much bitterness, you know, you have one or two and and your your mouth is tired. <laughs> um, and, and and it's hard to recover from that, and then you you, you drink one or two and you're done. Um, so you're done. for hot weather, sometimes less is better. Absolutely, you can find Tim and his team at Village Bottle Shop and Tasting Room in Kaka'ako. They are so incredibly helpful. We never have enough time to chat with Tim. Tim, I think we're just going to have to do one whole show just with you before the end of summer. Thank I'm you game. so much for joining us this Thanks, morning. Tim. So appreciate it. That's going to do it for us. We are just about completely out of time this morning. Thanks so much to our guest, to David Gorman. Go and check him out at the new vegancityhawaii.com. And also, of course, to Tim Golden, who is just so passionate and amazing about beer. Thanks to both of them. Bobby, you have a new beer coming your way. I'm Joe McGarry. We'll see you next time on Radio Mojo Plus. 
Radio Mojo Plus on ESPN Honolulu has been brought to you by Pyology Pizzeria.